kind of threw me off because he didn't have a stand up for the last song, right? And it's like, okay, do I walk up there and then he's going to start singing and then I'm going to just kind of like back up and sit back down like I was just kidding. <laughs> right on, man. Good worship. Well, last week we started the book of Ezra, so you can make your way over to the book of Ezra. You should just put a a bookmark there because we'll be in it for uh, at least, I don't know, a few weeks, several weeks, a few months. Um, we're able to get to the to the history leading up to this time period. And again, if you've been with us, then you've been, you know, again, as we were finishing up Second Kings and all the time periods, and as we went through the history of Israel, it gets us to this point here. And so we also got to see the breakdown of the book of Ezra. And so if you weren't here last week, you can go online and listen to last week's study, kind of bring you up to speed. So what we covered last week was the fact that the Lord is faithful. I think for, my, for myself, as I was finishing up the study and as I was studying and finishing up the study, I just realized, man, God is faithful, man. Because again, the, the people, because of their disobedience, they were taken into captivity. And yet he had prophesied through the, through the prophet Jeremiah that they would go through the 70-year period. And, and, and that's exactly what had to happen. And, and, and it was because of their disobedience, yes, because of their, their idolatrous ways, but mainly because of their disobedience of not uh, allowing the land to, to rest. And God was going to get his rest. He said this is the way it has to be, and that's the way he was going to get it. And I also love the fact that even as we were learning last week, was that the prophet Isaiah, 150 years before Cyrus gave the decree, uh, over, you know, 100 years before he was even born, um, the, the, the prophet prophesied that he would use a man like, or he, he named him by name 150 years earlier, Cyrus, to, to free the people so they can go back to their place. And I love the fact that as I was studying, and I shared this with you, that Josephus um, wrote that, that Cyrus, um, that they had shown him the prophecy in Isaiah, and he truly wanted to fulfill that prophecy. And so he made that, 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 that decree. And so however it was, it was fulfilled. And so now that that decree is in order, as we saw last week, all the heads of the people, of the families, um, um, they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God moved them to rise up, to go up and to build the temple of the Lord, the house of the Lord. And again, I, I, I just, as we we're going through that, realizing that unless the Lord is the one that's stirring our hearts, guys, to do his work, then we do it in vain. If we're going to do it because we have to fill a need or because we have to like, or pressure to go and do stuff like that. And again, I know as a church we can like, man, there's always needs and stuff. And, and a need doesn't always constitute a calling, you know, that, that that's what you're supposed to go do. But the people were moved by the Holy Spirit. And when you're moved by the Holy Spirit 
and you begin to do what He has called you to do, then you walk in it. And again, it doesn't matter if you go to the right or to the left. You're going to be in His will because you've been moved by the Holy Spirit. And again, you've got to make sure that you're doing the things like these people. They were anxious to get back. They knew that one day God had prophesied that they would go back. And so when the time came, they were ready to go. I'm sure they were prayed up. They were read up. They were ready to go. And God was leading them. And I guess what I'm sharing with you is that when you're making decisions, if you're prayed up, if you're read up, and, and you know that you are already in the will of God, then you can go this way or you can go that way. God will lead you in whichever way you go. God will, will, will direct your path if you're acknowledging Him. So, they go back. And as they're going back, it's shared with us that God gave them all the provisions they would need. He, he went before them. And I love the fact that we're, we're finishing the, 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 this portion of, of Scripture last week. In chapter 1, it says the captives who were brought from Babylon to Jerusalem. So it, it, you know, it kind of prepared us for, for that, that they were going back. Because back when we were finishing up 2 Kings chapter 25, it says this. It says, thus Judah was carried away captive from their own land. And I remember thinking, man, what a sad commentary. What a sad statement. God had promised them everything. The land of promise, the land flowing with milk and honey. And they, they just kind of thrashed it, you know. They, they didn't obey what God had told them to obey. And so now they're being brought back. And so God is faithful, guys. He is truly faithful no matter what we may think. Even when we're not faithful, He remains faithful. Amen? Amen? And so this brings us to chapter 2 of Ezra. And I shared with you last week, is like, man, if you read ahead, man, there's a lot of names and a lot of cities, a lot of stuff in there, man. And I practiced them and I practiced them and I, I, the, I, they were all correct. The way I said them, man, they were correct in my own mind. Because it's, there's one thing when you read them to yourself, and then when they come out of your mouth, especially my mouth, because <laughs> I, I jack up the English language already. And so it's like, okay, Lord, we'll see how we do this. Because I know I probably won't read all of them. I will read some of them. Be patient with me. Or else you get up here and you, you read them for me. I did think of this. I, I honestly thought of this. How do I get to Thomas? Like, like the version of a Bible that has all the reading and they correct it out. It's like, turn everybody, everybody's face down and all of a sudden I cue Thomas and then the voice starts, man. You know, maybe a Mexican voice or something so it kind of sounds like me. But, <laughs> because I did that one time in a home study, man. I did that, it, it, we were finishing Romans and there was a lot of names and I was all nervous and it was a long time ago. I'm still nervous. And I did that. I had everybody looking at their Bible and I clicked the cassette player back here and I started reading it, man. Perfect. Perfect. Needless to say, I didn't do that this time. <clears throat> so we'll see um, how we get through them. Um, I really do hate to skip uh, just any verse of the Bible, man. I hate skipping them, man. Um, because, and I know sometimes if you've read some of these, these, these lists, man, you're going, okay, man, it says the same thing, the same thing. And I normally, in my mind, if I'm not reading it out loud, going through each one of them anyways and just repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. And so I, I, I probably won't do that. And, I, and again, because I, I, I don't want to thrash their names, for one. But 
I don't want to, and, and I don't want to diminish it either by skipping it over. Understand that. I don't want to diminish anybody, any people, any place, because they are all important, and God thought it enough to put these people's names down. Now, when I say that I don't want to butcher up their name, if you guys knew my real name, people butcher it up all the time. And, and if you, I, I should have told Thomas to spell it out and put it up there and try to have you guys pronounce it. But, but I'll just give you the letters, how it's spelled. It's E-X-I-Q-U-I-O. Now, if you're not Spanish, or if you don't read Spanish, you're going, what the heck? If it was, like, if you could do, put names in Scrabble, you would win every time with that name, <laughs> right? Because it's E-X-I-Q-U-I-O, Exequio. That's the way it's pronounced. That's why they call me Zeke. Some of you guys are going, he's been lying to us the whole time. <laughs> we have not known his real name. I've known him how long? And I didn't know that the Zeke was not his name? Well, that's what they call me. And so I understand when people mess up. And I feel bad for people when they're like, uh, Mr. Flores? And I usually say, you didn't want to try that first name, did you? It's like, how, how do you do that? And so, so again, some people, man, when they do say it correctly, it's like perks up my ears. It's like, really good. So anyway, I've been called Exquidio, Extinguish. I've been called everything that you could possibly think of with E-X-I-Q-U-I-O. Be that as it may. Let's read the first two verses. There will be some names in there. Try to see how we get through them. Okay, peeps? Now. These are the people of the province who came back from the captivity. Those who had been carried away. Whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away to Babylon. And who returned to Jerusalem and Judah. Everyone to his own city. Those, are, those who came with Zerubbabel were Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Realiah, Mordecai, Belshan, Mispar, Bigvi, Rahem, and Banahana. The names of the people who came, uh, the name of the, the, na- the number of the men of the people of Israel. So anyways, I should just take off my sweater because I'm going to start sweating up here, man. <laughs> trying to say these names. It's going to be brutal for me, man. You guys better be praying for me while you guys are up down there, man. I'm going, that poor guy, man. It's just beating up all over the place. So be that as it may, man. Thank you guys for loving me enough and having enough <laughs> grace for me. Um, I will try to get through this with you guys. So anyway, so it tells us here in verse 1 that these are the people who come from the province. And the word province here, and most of you guys know that, but just looking it up in the Hebrew here, it's, it's a judgeship, i.e. jurisdiction, by implication, a district, generally a region. And so he is referring to Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. And again, if you've been with us, we, 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 now we know where Judah is at. You know, we look at all of Israel, but it was divided into two uh, um, 
kingdoms. Israel being the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, the two southern tribes were Judah, and they were Judah and Benjamin. That's the two tribes that made up the southern kingdom. Now, it's interesting because before the northern kingdom was taken captive 135 years earlier than these guys had been taken captive, many of those guys had migrated down south. One of the kings in, in Judah had invited some of the people from up north. There was a time that they were at each other's throats, but there was a time where they were kind of getting along, and he invited people to come down to do um, some of the festivals and stuff like that. And some of the people just began to migrate because they saw or, or they read the writings on the wall in the northern kingdom that they were going to be um, being taken captive soon and, and things were going to happen. They weren't going to last forever. So they started migrating down to the southern kingdom. And so by the time that the southern kingdom was taken captive, I could almost guarantee you that at least all the tribes of Israel were represented in the southern kingdom when they were taken away. Because there's this, this, this myth, I guess, that, that goes on that, that there's ten lost tribes because only these two tribes were taken captive into Babylon. Now again, the ten tribes from the north were taken captive up to uh, Assyria and they're in the same region. So it's quite possible that even if they were taken up there, some of them migrated or found their way over to the Jews who were over in Babylon. But for the most part, what we're looking at here. It's not like it's just the two tribes of Benjamin because, or Benjamin and, and Judah, we're going to see that all of Israel is represented in, in some of these areas here that we look at. And so um, it's not like God lost some tribes. Wouldn't that be a trip? You know, poor God, you know, he loses his, some tribes, you know. If he loses tribes, how, how much can he lose you, me and you, you know? So, so God does not lose tribes, you know. The, he, he knows where everybody is at. And so they are all represented here. And so it is possible, again, that, that these guys had come together and they are all represented and they are all returning or a lot of them are returning back to their hometowns. Now, some of these people were already alive when they were taken captive. It's interesting because the captivity, the southern kingdom began in, in 609 B.C. And that's when the 70 years started. But there, there, was, there was that first deportation and then a second one that happened like in 597 and then another one that happened in, in, in 587. And so there was, I think, a span of about 24 years from the first deportation to the second deportation. And so if you're a young kid, the, a, a young little kid, man, that's being taken with the family, then, then, then by the time the 70 years are, are over, then you're already in your 70s and possibly still alive, 70s or 80s. And that is some of these people who are now coming back. Now, if you were kind of being taken in the second deportation or the third deportation, it's quite possible that even if you're a young man or a young kid, that you're, you're in your late 40s and 50s and are still coming back. And I don't know about you, if, if you have enough memory to remember maybe where you grew up or, 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 or the times that, that mom and dad talked to you and you vaguely remember certain things. 
And, 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 and it's interesting because when you go back and you visit those things, there's something that stirs your heart going back to your hometown or things like that, right? And everything seemed bigger back then because you were about that small, right? And it's just so interesting that, again, here you have these people who are in their 70s, 80s, 40s, 50s, 60s years old that are now coming back and they remembered the land. They remembered when they left, possibly. But even those who were maybe born in captivity, they were being told the stories <laughs> of their homeland, of what it looked like and what it was like. And, and again, even though they had to become captives in another country, they kept a lot of the traditions. If anything, they, it, it enhanced them because they were gone. But this chapter here that we're looking at, it divides, uh, this chapter is divided or these lists are divided in, in several parts because what we see here, even in the beginning, we see some civic leaders and some religious leaders. But as we move on, um, we're, we're going to see things uh, or people like the priests, the Levites, the singers, some servants. There's going to be heads of families and, 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 and we'll even have lists of animals as well. And one of the things that I'm fascinated about this whole chapter um, is the fact that God knows each one of them. And He gives us numbers. And the fact of the matter is that He just does, doesn't round up some numbers or rounds them down. He gives us some specific numbers. And I love that. I love the fact that even though I can't pronounce all these names and it would just take me forever to do it, I don't want to minimize it because God knew them. God knew the people that they represented. God knew the cities, and He knew the people that represented those cities. And so again, you know, not to minimize any of this, but, but in the beginning here, as we see that they are now headed back to their province, that those men that came with Zerubbabel, and we met Zerubbabel um, last week, he had a different name that we saw here. It was probably the name maybe given to him in captivity, which, which was Shesh, Sheshbazar, which is uh, Zerubbabel. And, and again, he is one of the leaders here. He, he is one of those people that, that, that are going to come back. He's, he's, in the, uh, he's more of the religious leader, religious type. And he is coming back and he is going to be rebuilding the temple. But we also have some other names here. And one of them is Jeshua. Oh, before I get to that part, um, Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, which we will get to eventually in chapter 7, has the same exact list. Um, so the same chapters there. There's some variances there, um, but but they record basically the same the same people. And so Ezra he he starts off this chapter with some uh, eleven civic and religious leaders who were prominent at the time. And it's interesting because we have in Jeremiah chapter seven verse seven that he records twelve names. Instead of 11. There, there, there's a man by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Um, his name is not in Ezra's list, but he is in, in the, uh, the list over with Nehemiah. For whatever reason, he's dropped in this one. Could, be, could have been a, an error. But regardless of the fact, it's interesting that Nehemiah, he puts in the beginning 12 of these people, which most believe represent 
the 12 tribes of Israel. And for some reason, he is not here in Ezra. And so again, it's possible that all the people from Israel, all the tribes were represented in this list and in the return back to Israel. Because when they come back, they're not going to be northern and southern kingdom. They're going to be one kingdom or one nation. And so they're coming back as one kingdom. And so we have Jeshua here, one of the, the, the guys that's mentioned here, the first guy, um, and he was the high priest. And we see him a couple of times in this book. And his name is spelled Joshua in the books of Haggai and Zechariah, which would be the contemporaries of that day that would write those books. And he is also the grandson of Sariah, not the Sariah that we see here, but Sariah, who was also a priest. And, and he was one whom Nebuchadnezzar, back when, when they, he was coming in to, to take these people away, he was one who, who Nebuchadnezzar killed in Riblah back in Second Kings chapter 25. And so he would be the grandson of Zariah here. Um, the Nehemiah that, that's mentioned here in this verse is not the Nehemiah of the book that we will be covering. That Nehemiah would not come or return to Jerusalem for more than almost, for close to almost 90 years later, he would be on the scene. And so it's a different time frame here. So it's not the same Nehemiah. The Mordecai that we see here is not Esther's cousin. From the book of Esther. It's a different Mordecai. Again, Esther, he, that, that whole story will take place in between Ezra 6 and 7. There's a 57-year period there that, that, that has lapsed. And most believe that is when the book of Esther, Esther uh, was written. And so he would come about 60-some years later. Um, we do have four names in this list that are spelt differently than in the list that Nehemiah has. Um, and here in verse 2, we have Zariah, Realiah, Mispar, and Reham, um, who are probably the same persons in the other list, um, being Azariah, Realiah, whatever, Mispereth and Nahum, respectfully in, those, in that order. And so they're, they're just spelt a little different, um, but they're probably all the same guys. So now that we are going to jump into verse 3, and I giggle here because it's like, I'm not going to read all these names, peeps. You know, you, you can, as I'm talking, you can kind of go through them and stuff. But for the most part, what we have here from verse 3 to verse 20. Here we have a list of the heads of some of the peoples um, that are represented. There's 18 families or clans that are represented in verse from verse 3 or 3 to verse 20. And 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 those who represent him, there, there's many of them. Um, that are here and they total up to because it kind of just keeps on telling you that that the people of of parosh 2000 and it gives you the number of of who they represent and they total up to be 15,604 people that are represented from verse 3 to verse 20 now 
I know that these long lists uh, of names given in Scripture, which include genealogies and or cities or places, are not always that interesting to the reader today. But I could guarantee you that it was exciting for the readers back then when they were able to see this list that was not only in Ezra or when Ezra pulled it out and when they were being named or however it was, those people were excited to have their names written in this, in this book or in this scroll that they were reading and the people. These names and these people are important to the history of God's people of the nation of Israel. And so those people were excited about that. Now, I do know that if there was a list of people or of families that have ever lived or lived in my hometown of Norwalk, (laughs) I would bet you (laughs) that I would be all over that list and I would be kind of going through it or a list from my high school or something. I, I would be looking, I would be going, going to go F, 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 L, F, L, F, L, O, F, O. And I would find my name, my family, whoever it was. I would be looking for my name if there was a list of people who, who grew up in Norwalk or who, who went to Excelsior High School. You know, I would be looking for my, I would be excited that I would see my name or my family's name. If it was from a different time or whatever it was. Because again, as, as, as excited as I might get when, when I know that my name is somewhere, <laughs> that somebody might recognize it, going, oh, I know that guy. I know that. And, and you could, so you could imagine that these people, when they heard their name written down or their family or their clan, and they're saying, yeah, there was 775 of them. And they're going, I'm one of those. I'm in that number right there, and so again, um, I, I think unless that there, if there's a, if there's no inheritance involved in some of these lists, uh, I think today people are not so much concerned about about their descendants in that way. There's, there's sometimes, you know, they they go to the behavior of it. Well, they used to do this; they were doing that. You know, so and so was. He, he did this in his life or whatever. We would look at that. We wouldn't be so excited maybe about the bloodline as we are about what they did or didn't do. Um, but for these, the, these uh, Old Testament Jews especially, this was, this was important that their names would be part of this list because they were coming back because it proved their ancestry. It, it, it proved that they were part of the Jewish family, because they had been taken away. They had been gone for so long. And so you could bet that they were looking for their family. And this was was amazing for them if their names were in there, because unless their names were in there, they couldn't couldn't, uh, enter into some of the rights and or privileges of the Jewish nation which were many in those days for the people of Israel. And so the, the, the Israelites here, um, as, as a whole, were a covenanted, covenant people with important God-given tasks that they had that they were to present to the people that they were around. Even in captivity, man, they still held on to, to those promises that God had given them that even though they weren't in their homeland, they were now bringing together all the things that they had learned, even the things that they had for, 
forsaken or forgotten or, or disobeyed. I, I could guarantee you while they were in captivity, man, they became even more important. And so it was important for them that they were in the family and not outsiders. Um, and they wouldn't allow, and they didn't want to allow outsiders to come in. And uh, so it was important for them. But these Jews who were returning back to Judah, unless their names were there, they could not reclaim their land, their property. And so again, this was really, really important for them to, to, to prove that that, that, is, that is their piece of land or that, that is their, their area where they could go and take, take that. So again, these guys were going to be looking for their name. Or at least saying, I'm part of that number and I can vouch for it. He can vouch for it. He can vouch for it. All these people can vouch for it. Now, interestingly enough, um, again, as I was looking at this, I'm, I'm just kind of tripping out that, that he's giving us some specific numbers. He's not rounding up, rounding down. He's, he's not giving us a guesstimate of how many people there could have been. Man, it was to the number to the person. And I love that about God because he knows who we are. He knows where we live. He knows everything about us. Even as we're going to, to, to see, he knows about all these animals. Man, he knew, he knew how many knives you have, how many knives you have in your drawer right now. You know, because he was that concerned about the knives that last week that we were looking at in the basins and, and all those kinds of things. And so it would be important for them to be there. Now, for the priests and the Levites, especially as we're going to see a little later, it was important for them that they were part of this ancestry because they would not be able to serve in the temple or share in the benefits of the temple unless they had ancestry and it was written about them that they were part of this family. And so it was important for all these guys because they wouldn't be able to receive anything, any of the benefits that came in from the tithes, from the offerings, from the uh, assigned portions of sacrifices. And so, again, we'll see that even a little later towards the end here. And so from verse uh, 3 to verse 20, we have these people, and we keep on seeing the people of, the people of, the people of. And then when we get to verse 21, from verse 21 to verse 35, we still see maybe it might say, and the people, but the men. Um, in this group that we have here, and again, I'm not going to read them all, but this group here um, of people or men are listed according to 21 cities and or villages. And they total out to be 8,540 men that are represented here. These are the cities and or villages that we've heard of, some of them. We have seen in our studies or you, you have seen throughout your reading of the Word of God. And so we, we, we see a, a name like Bethlehem who's there in verse 30 or uh, 20, 21. Bethlehem, again, when, when we think of Bethlehem, yes, we think of Jesus. But man, before that, it was the city of David. That's where David's ancestry was from. And so, again, these people are coming back to their hometown. And they're saying, this is where our first king, our greatest king, not their first king, but their, their greatest king was from. And then we see Anatha, Anathoth. Um, in verse 23, and that is where Jeremiah's hometown was, the prophet Jeremiah. And again, he was the one that was kept on prophesying about what was going to happen. Now he's long gone. And it's believed that he, he ended up uh, down in Egypt area, but be that as it may. We, we have 
Kurgath uh, Kurt, Kurt um, in, in verse 25, and, and that is uh, Kurgath Jerim. And that is where the Ark of the Covenant was taken when it was brought back from the Philistines and it was, it was held there by, I think it was Obadiah or somebody like that. No, Abinadab. Um, it was there for a long time. Um, so we have that place. We have Ramah, and Ramah was where uh, Samuel was from. We have Bethel, and, and Abram was, uh, pitched his tent in Bethel, and so many other things happened in Bethel. That's where Jacob had his little uh, wrestling with God overnight in that area, and so many other things that happened in Bethel. And, and, uh, and so we have those in uh, verse 26 and verse 28. Uh, we have Bethel and Ai. And Ai, if you remember, is when they came into the promised land and they had a, a defeat. Joshua had a defeat there. But and then you hear uh, towards the end there, 34, we have Jericho. And Jericho, you remember the walls being brought down. And so some of these are familiar to us. Some of the other ones, you can go online and you can start looking them up. And it tells you whereabouts they're at. If you have a Bible program, you can start looking them up on a Bible dictionary or a map. And you can figure out where, where they were all from and where they were coming back to. So... We don't have a list of all those men. There's 24,144 men. We don't have a list of each one of their names, but we have a list of their families. We have a list of, of their cities. And, and again, it tells us how many of them. Um, and so in both of these lists that we just kind of looked over, um, they were important enough for the Lord to say, at least they're in their, that number. And again, I'm sure you would be just as stoked to go, I am part of these 2,000, uh, you know, 54 people. I, I'm, I'm part of that. And so can you imagine these people as they've, they, they're, they're coming back to their homeland, though, coming back to their cities, some for the first time, and, 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 and being told the stories about Bethel or, or, or about, you know, all these other places that, that, we, that, that, that you have here. And being told this is where our father Abraham or this is where our king David was from or this is where the prophet Jeremiah was from. To come back to those things and kind of look at, even if it's all in ruins, imagining this is where my family is from. I, I know the feelings that I have felt going back to where my parents were born and raised in a small town in Mexico. It's been a long time since I visited that place, but even as, as a young man, going back and knowing that that's where my mom and dad were from. Going back to South Texas and, and seeing where, where, where my mom and dad's first house when they crossed over and, and, and became, you know, uh, came over to start working in the United States to know where that house sat and, and, and things like that. Or being, I remember taking a trip when my daughter was going up to Fresno State and we went to go check out Fresno State and, and we used to pick grapes as, as migrant workers up there. And I'm a little kid and going up there and just kind of driving down the old road and, and remembering this, this particular store that had a they had a plane on the top of it like it crashed there. And I remember as a kid going, it crashed there and they just left it there, you know. And I remember stopping and, and going, it, it's somewhere around here. And you're looking at all the vineyards and going, I wonder if that's 
one of them that we worked at, and, and you know, I'm crying, you know, and my daughter's asleep, like, Deborah, Deborah, look at it. She's going, ah, ah. It's like, ah, I just remember, you know, that feeling, you know, and I remember stopping and saying, hey, there was a plane that, oh, yeah, it's a couple more down, you know, blocks down. It's like, yes, and just stopping there and just crying because I remember that, you know, and as a kid, I'm going, and as an adult, thinking, oh, it didn't crash there? <laughs> But, but, you know, I don't know how, if you've ever sensed those things going back in time or going back to visit a place. And can you imagine these people? They have heard of these people, of, the, of these places. Their ancestries, the, the, their ancestors were, were there. And they built these things. And then they were taken captive. And, 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 and they were not a, a nation anymore, it seemed like. But God was bringing them back. And God was preparing them to come back and begin to restore this whole thing. And so in verse 30, 36, <clears throat> it says, The priests, the sons of Jedidiah, of the, of the house of Jeshua, 973. The sons of Emmer, 1,052. The sons of Peshar, 1,247. The sons of Harim, 1,017. The Levites, the sons of Jeshua and Kidmiel. The sons of Hadaviah, 74. The singers, the sons of Asaph. 138, the sons of the gatekeepers, the sons of Shulam, the sons of Atar, um, the sons of Telman, the sons of Akkab, the sons of Hatita, the sons of Shabiah, 100. And 39 in all. Thank you, Jesus. Here we have the priests. And, and in verse, from verses 36 to 39, we have four groups of these priests that are mentioned here. And the total of these priests are 4,289. And they had proven to be priests through their lineage. And so they were numbered here. And, and, and were followed by 341 Levites, which included some singers. They brought the band with them, which was awesome. Um, they probably was like, play me some songs as we're traveling. You know, um, the gatekeepers, uh, the, the, the Levites, you know, they, they would also assist the priests in teaching uh, the people the, the word of the law. The, the, the priests and the Levites, they had different they, they came from the, the basically the same family, but the the Aaron family, the the tribe of Aaron, the lineage of Aaron, they became the priests, and the Levites were, were had other uh, things that they did around. Um, they weren't quite priests, but they were part of the religious system there, 
And they were very, very important to the nation of Israel because without them, there was no reason to go back really and, and, and build the temple. For what? If they didn't have people that would lead them and guide them in the spiritual matters, what, what, why, would, why would they go back? But these guys, they, they were proven to, to be part of the family and they are named or numbered here and they're coming back. The priests and the Levites would be the ones that would be in charge of the temple. They, they probably weren't, wouldn't be able to build it all or even any of it because they, they're priests. You know, they have other people that will do that. But they were the ones that were, were going to, to bring back that institution of worship to God. They were so important. And that's why, again, we're going to see a little later that those who, who could not prove that they were part of the lineage, then they were excluded from that. Because they could not prove that they were part of the family. These that are mentioned here from verse 36 to, to uh, 42, they, 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 they're part of the family and they're coming back and they're going to do the work. Now in verse 43, it says, The Nithinims, the sons of Zihah, the sons of, and I'm just going to skip those, um, to verse 53, 54. These are part of the uh, Nethanims. And then in verse 55, it says, The sons of Solomon's servants, the sons of these guys here. Um, it says that in verse 50, 58, all the Nethanims and the children of the of Solomon's servants were 392. And so these Nithanims, um, these were a group of people who, who, were, who didn't have any Jewish background at all. But they served in the temple in the Old Testament times. They assisted the Levites. And they performed uh, a lot of the, the, the menial chores that had to be done within the temple and outside the temple. Um, they would be carrying water. They would be uh, bringing wood in for the altar. They would be scrubbing the utensils. And, and, and they were, you know, they, they, they were just doing stuff for the religious leaders. The sons of Solomon or Solomon's servants, were, these were Canaanites who, who served as forced laborers during the reign of King Solomon, which was hundreds of years earlier. But these people who had labored, they, they, they did things that were more of, of stone quarries and, and they did, did a lot of the construction, the difficult construction work for Solomon in his mega buildings that he made, the massive buildings. These sons of Solomon continued to serve Israel throughout all the kings. They, 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 for the most part, they were in the, in the southern uh, kingdom and they continued to serve all the kings, all the 20-some kings that came after Solomon. And these people were actually taken captive with the children of Israel. And they, and they continued to serve the people while they were in captivity. So it's almost like they were almost held captive by the... By the uh, by the southern kingdom because they were forced labor and then they're getting taken captive up to Babylon. So you're captive twice, doggone it. And it's like, man, we're, we're servants here and now we're servants to the servants up there. But I think they, they loved the fact and they were faithful 
to the, to the, the nation of Israel and they considered themselves a group uh, that had come together. They were now uh, established as the sons of Solomon because they were the servants and they remained faithful to the nation of Israel and they came back with them to help them build their country because that was now that was their country and there were that was their people and the total of these guys here was 900 and or, or 392 verse 50 59 it says these are the ones who came up from and these cities here that we have here, these are Babylonian cities. And so we will continue on. It says, but they could not identify their father's house or their genealogy, whether they were of Israel. The sons of Delilah, uh, the sons of Tobiah, the sons of uh, Nakoda, uh, 600 52 and the sons of the priests the sons of Habayaliah or whatever dang it the sons of Koz the sons of Barzillai who took a wife of the daughter of Barzillai the Gideonite Gileadite and was called by their name. These sought their listing among those who were registered by genealogy, but they were not found. Therefore, they were excluded from the priesthood as defiled. And the governor said to them that they should not eat of the most holy thing until or till the priest could consult the uh, Urim and Thummim. And so these were the disqualified. These were the ones that they, they were considered defiled because they could not. And this is why it was so important to have your lineage. They could not um, prove that they were part of the priesthood here. And so there was six, 652 in all that could not prove that they were part of the family. But Zerubbabel and Joshua or Joshua uh, Joshua um, didn't send the people back and say, well, you can't come back. You're part of those cities up in Babylon. Stay in those cities. No, they allowed them to come with them and they became the strangers and the foreigners just like those who left Egypt that came with the children of Israel that were part of Moses' law and he, he instructed them how they were to be treated with respect, honoring these strangers and these foreigners. Now, we're not told how many priests were unable to provide the adequate credentials, but we are told that they were excluded. They weren't allowed to serve in the temple. No doubt some of these men thought that they could just enter the priesthood because they had been told that they were part of the family, but they had no lineage or they didn't have the paperwork or they didn't have whatever it was. Um, I'm sure that it would have made life way easier for them to be able to come back down to Jerusalem, be part of this. But Zerubbabel, the, the governor here, it says, um, he, he declined them or rejected them. And it's interesting because God had made it clear to Moses in his word that any outsider 
who attempted to serve at the altar would be put to death. In Numbers 151, it says, And when the tabernacle is to go forward, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levites shall set it up. The outsider who comes near shall be put to death. In Numbers 3.10, it also says, So you shall appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall attend to their priesthood. But the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. And so Zerubbabel is protecting them, saying, no, you can't come in and you can't do this. You can't, be, you can't partake of the food. You can't partake of the services. And I'm doing this for your well-being or else we put you to death. Which one you want? And so they decided to be treated like the strangers and they would be treated well. And so, again, they're excluded from any priestly privileges until it said or until the priest could consult the Urim and the Thummim. The Urim, <laughs> Urim and the Thummim, I'm going to start getting all tongue-tied here. The, the meanings of both of these things are, call, are, are light and perfection. And it is believed that these were gems and or stones that the high priest held in, in, the, um, in the breastplate here. Uh, where it has all the stones, that there was an opening here, that that's where they held them. And, and those were brought out and used to determine uh, certain God's matters, certain matters that pertain to, to God and, and those things. And many of the scholars believe that these gems, they would be cast and they would give you a yay or a nay or true or false. Um, some think that they were kind of thrown as, as like, a, like dice would, you know. And uh, to aid the high priest in making these important decisions. And um, the case, it, it is possible that this, the case here, these people, because they're saying, I'm part of this family, that until they were able to cast the die to say, yes, you are, or no, you're not, you know. But again, I just, I just picture that these guys are coming and saying, I'm part of this, and they're throwing it down and, until they determine whether they were part of the family or not. Now, I can... I could see some wise guy coming and telling the priest, hey, when you throw mine, can you say, like, uh, baby needs a new pair of sandals, you know, or something like that. It's like, get out of here. Um, but, uh, but again, it's just kind of interesting because they would use these things that they're mentioned a, a few times in the scripture that the priests, they would use the Urim, Urim and the Thummim um, to determine some of these important things. Um, again, Having the list of names and locations may seem unnecessary to some of the readers nowadays. It's like, let's just skip them all and go on to the next one. But again, to the modern reader, it might be a little boring. But for the people that were reading these things and a part of this whole thing, when they were coming back, it was a great encouragement for them to be a part of this whole thing um, that their families or their towns were represented. It's interesting, when we were back in Mexico or, uh, this last year, one of my, one of my cousins, uh, she's, she's a, a whiz, she's in the who's who uh, of Mexico in the, in the 1990s decade. And I thought it interesting, uh, you know, I was... I was impressed. I didn't. I knew she was smart and all, but I didn't know that. But it was interesting because we're in her library, and she's not the one that said it. Her her sister or somebody said, "Oh, you know, Norma's in this book in the Who's Who's," and I'm going, "You're in the Who's Who," you know. It's like, who are you? Um, and and it was great 
not just to, to get the book out, but to see her name and her accomplishments there. And so again, these people, I'm sure they were excited when they heard their name or saw their name. And so for me, even, you know, this little thing with my cousin, you know, that it was worthy of a, of a picture, you know, with a book, you know, and with her name. So anyways, um, so these people were excited. In verse 30 or 64, let's just read through this now. It says, the whole assembly together was 42,360 besides their male and female servants of whom there were 7,337 and they had 200 men and women singers. So there was 49,897 in total. And, And the number that that Nehemiah comes up with, I think there's just a variation, about 40-some people. In verse 66, their horses were 736, their mules 245, their camels 435, and their donkeys 6,720. Some of the, the heads of the Father's house when they came to the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, offered freely to the house of God to erect it in its place. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury for the, for the work six, uh, 61,000 uh, gold dachmaths, 5,000 minas of silver and 100 priestly garments. So the priests and the Levites, some of the people, the singers, the gatekeepers, the Nithanims, um, dwelt in their cities and all Israel in their cities. And so this journey that they, t- they took from Babylon back down was a 900-mile journey. And it took them over four months, it's believed, to come. And yet Ezra doesn't, doesn't state, state how long or really how long this trip took. But his focus was not so much on the journey, but the time that they got there. He didn't focus on the hardship of, of, of the task that it was to get there. He, he focused on, on the, the task of rebuilding the temple. That's what this book is all about, the rebuilding of the temple. And again, man, the fact that God's spirit was the one that moved on these people to rise up and build. And man, oh man, guys, I I, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you look, you know, when you read a, a, a portion like this or when you hear a study like this going, man, there's so many people. But once again, God is faithful. God knows every person. He knows how many animals you have. He He understands that. To the smallest little detail, he is part of our life. It was important enough for him to mention a lot of these people, to give us numbers galore into the thousands of of people and, and, and people that are represented here. And yet, his heart was to bring his people back so they can come and worship him in his temple. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for letting me get through this portion of Scripture, Lord. I pray for my people, my brothers and sisters here, Lord God, that you would just encourage them. If there's anything that I messed up, Lord God, that I didn't um, convey properly, Lord God, 
I know that your spirit is bigger than that and that you can minister to my brothers and sisters, Lord, even through a portion of scripture like this, Lord. I thank you so much, Lord, for thinking about us, for knowing us, Lord God, for knowing every little detail, not only of our families, but every little detail about Calvary Chapel feeling, Lord. You know everything, Lord, and I'm so grateful for that, Lord. I'm so thankful, Lord God, that we can turn to you. And, and even in our times, Lord God, when we just feel so out of place or so out of joint, Lord God, that we feel like we're captive somewhere, Lord God, you already know when you're going to free us from all of that, Lord. And so, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters, whatever they're battling with, whatever they're dealing with, Lord, whatever is upon them right now, Lord God, remind them of your faithfulness, Lord. Remind them that you know them personally, Lord. Remind them that you know everything about their household. Everything, Lord. You know every penny that they have. You know every, pe- you know every penny that they don't have, Lord, and that they need as well. And so, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 